Uh, we're starting a new series as we go through the summer, a new series on the kingdom of God. We're looking at Luke chapter 18, uh, and the titles for all of our talks are going to kind of be Kingdom Something. So for instance, Kingdom Sight, what does that look like? Uh, kingdom Mercy, and, and today we're going to be thinking about Kingdom Prayer. And I know what you're all thinking. Didn't we just have a sermon on prayer like two weeks ago? And the answer is yes, we did. But that was a part of our, uh, our Why Do We Do What We Do series. And it was Jago's kind of saying, why do we pray as a part of a Sunday service? And if that was the why talk, think of this as the how. This is the how we pray on a Sunday, but also midweek individually as we go. So that's the where we're going tonight. And you know we're going to look at scripture, but thankfully Jesus is going to be speaking to us. He's going to be opening our hearts and it's going to be great. Are we ready? Amazing. Let's jump into our Bible passage, Luke 18. Grab a Bible at the end of your row. If you've not brought a Bible, don't worry. It's going to come up behind. Luke 18, starting verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them how Uh, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now and we just say, speak to us. Would our hearts be fertile, soil, ready to receive your word, Lord? And would you water it, would you grow it, and would we flourish and bear fruit for you? Jesus, we love you. We say thank you for what it is that you have done for us. That You've died on the cross and you've risen again that we may know you. And I ask that the words that I speak, Jesus, would be your words and that they would go into hearts and not overheads this evening. Jesus, we love you and we praise you and everybody said, amen. Come on, everybody said, amen. Let's jump straight back into our passage. Verse one, read it with me. Then Jesus told his disciples, okay, let's stop there. Before we go any further, that first word, then. Then Jesus told his disciples, it was then, at that moment. And that leads me to ask, what happened before then? It's like when you see therefore in scripture, you have to pause and think, what's it there for? 
So in the previous chapters, Jesus, he's, he's been speaking, he's been teaching and sharing parable after parable after parable. He's been interspersing it with a healing here, miraculous work there. And then it builds up to this moment in chapter 17, verse 20. And he gets asked by the Pharisees, when is the kingdom of God going to come? When is the kingdom of God coming? All of the questions that he's been asked, all the parables that he's shared have led to this moment. And the Pharisees, the disciples, they're there, they're they're gathering, they're they're leaning in, ready to hear the when, the how, the where, what it's going to look like. And then Jesus says, the kingdom of God is here. It is in their midst. It is right here, right now. But it is also to come. Jesus then begins this little section of teaching on end times and, and sort of what that's going to be like. And he doesn't paint the prettiest of pictures. It's not the kind of encouragement that you come to church for at six o'clock on a Sunday night. It's, it's not what you think. Uh, and actually, the, the, the Pharisees were probably looking for something a little bit more concrete. Like it's going to happen four o'clock. Next Thursday, thus says the Lord. You know, something really that they could hold on to. Or, or maybe something that was a bit more, like kind of, with a bit more grandeur and a bit more power in how he was going to overthrow the Romans and, and their oppressive way. But he doesn't say that. What he does instead is he talks about Noah and Lot, two people who experienced God's wrath and judgment in their generation and how actually it was, it was like a surprise. It kind of came out of nowhere for them. It's then we get to chapter 18. Then Jesus tells his disciples. And then he comes back with his own question. Jesus, he, read with me, verse 8. Jesus says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus said he's looking for faith. He's looking for people of faith. How do we know that we are people of faith? Or, or will we lose faith? Will we, will we be swallowed up by the world and its me culture? Will we lose heart or lose sight of what is to come? How can we make sure that we as a church, we as a service, that we are kingdom people? How can we make sure that we are the kind of people Jesus is looking for? Well, thankfully, Jesus, he carries on. And in the way that he always does, he shares another parable. Let's read it again. Verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Jesus, he, he, he lays the table, he puts the chess pieces on the board, and he gives us these two characters. We have the old judge and the poor widow. The judge who doesn't fear man or God and the woman Seeking justice, the widow who's on a mission. Now, this widow, what do we know about her? 
Well, obviously she has no husband. She's a widow. She has no one beside her, no one to provide for her. History tells us that in that society, she would have been seen as one of the lowest. She's got nowhere else to turn other than this judge. And she goes back to him over and over and over again. Well, what about the judge? What do we know about him? Scripture tells us that he doesn't fear man, he doesn't fear God. But we also know that he's someone who's in power. He's a judge. He, he has a right to say what happens and what doesn't happen. Who gets justice and who doesn't get justice. And we also know that he changes his tune. He gets persuaded to, to give this widow justice so that she will leave him alone. What is Jesus getting at here? What's, what's, he, what's he hinting at? What's the, the message? Well, the answer lies in verse 1. That we are to pray... And not give up. We are to always pray. The word always in the Greek means always. We always pray. So so that means that we are the widow in the parable. And how this widow who was relentless in her pursuit of justice. Jesus says we need to be as relentless in our pursuit of faith. And the vehicle for that is prayer. John Piper, who's an American evangelist, says this, that faith is the furnace of our lives. Its fuel is the grace of God. And the divinely appointed shovel for feeding the burner is prayer. We need to keep fueling the fire. We need to keep shoveling away so that the fire won't go out. We need to pray and pray and pray so that our faith won't grow cold. I've been a parent for 16 months now, and it's a beautiful little boy, Winston. And over that time, I've learned a lot of lessons, like a lot of lessons. That, for instance, it's important to feed and to water your child. It's important to keep him clean, to change his nappy, uh, to make sure he doesn't play with the oven. Just, you know, don't fall down the stairs. You know, these might sound, you know, mind-blowing to some of you, you know. But I've also learnt almost every word to every song written by the Wiggles. And I've learned that there's more than one way to learn the alphabet. A is for apple, a, a, apple. A is for apple, and then the what's what's the other one, my love? Is um, A is for apple, A is for apple, ah 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 ah, ah. and then you've got the one that we all know, you know, A B C D E F, just just relentless. But the key theme through all of these is persistence. Like it's on all the time. It's persistence. And when my wife and I, when we were teaching Winston how to to roll over when he was a little baby, we had to kind of get him and do the movements for him so that he'd get used to it. And then we, we'd put things sort of either side so that he would look and he'd eventually roll over. And, but it was persistence. And with his food, we, you know, so that he wouldn't throw it on the floor, we would say, hey, Winston, you know, you give it, if you're finished, give it to mum or dada. So we put our hand that gives it to us or we say, put it, put it back on your plate. Every mealtime, persistence. And we're at the stage now where he's walking. And so it's, it's one foot in front of the other. It's persistence. We hold him by the hand. We walk him 
down the hallway and we say, keep going, one foot front. And he falls down, we pick him up, we keep going. It's persistence, persistence, it's persistence. Now, it's easy for me to come up and, and to say that. The church, you know, you've got to pray, pray, pray. And if your prayer's not being answered, you're doing it wrong. So pick up your shovel and fuel the fire. You know, it's easy for me to say that. But you're probably going to leave one of two ways. Either thinking, you know, I feel like I've been told off. I should probably go pray. Or he sounds angry. I should probably pray for you, you know. But the commands to keep praying completely changes when we say, church, you've got to pray, pray, pray because of who we pray to. And that is God. You see, the direction of our prayer completely changes when we say it is to God. It completely changes when we pray to God. So, if we're the widow in the story, that must make God the judge. But the judge doesn't sound like God. Well, maybe to some of us here this evening, he does. I mean, the world certainly sees God as this, as this judge who sits aloft in the heavens with his cosmic gavel made out of lightning, ready to, to, to hammer home condemnation and, and punishment if we ever set foot out of line. Maybe the judge does sound like God. But let's just take a step back for a second. The widow goes to the judge. The widow who has no one beside her, no one to provide for her, no one to care for her, no one to help her other than this judge. She knows that when she needs justice, there is someone that she can turn to. There is someone for help. That does sound like God. The psalmist writes in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Church, God is our source of help. Amen? Who was it that the disciples turned to a few chapters ago in Luke 8? Who was it that was asleep in their boat when the storm was raging? It was Jesus, the Son of God. He was the answer to all of their prayers. He was the answer. Jesus is our source of help today. Amen? And that's why at the end of this passage, Jesus says, he says, did you hear What the unjust judge says. He gave this widow justice because of her persistence. How much more will God? Will he not do that? And some. The judge who who doesn't fear God, who doesn't fear man, he eventually changes his tune. He suddenly does care what man thinks, and he does care about man's actions. He starts to think, what if? What if this widow won't go away? What if she just keeps coming and she attacks me? It's her persistence that wears him down. But here is the gold in this story. That God doesn't get worn down. God doesn't get worn down as a result of our persistence. 
the, the point of this parable is not that if we could maybe wear down a, a human judge, we might stand a chance of wearing down God. But it's that God is so much better than the judge. This God who didn't care what man thinks, God cares about you. He cares what you think. This unjust judge, God is just. He is our perfect judge. God is so good. Amen. Take Luke 11 as another example. The disciples, they they come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, give us a beginner's guide in prayer. And Jesus says, okay. And he takes them through what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And then let's jump in. Verse 5, Luke 11. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Or because of your persistence, he will get up and give you as much as you need. Verse 9, so I say to you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks the door will be opened. Be persistent is the message from Jesus. Ask, seek, knock. Be persistent in your prayer. Verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Verse 13, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you, Father in heaven, give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Verse 13 is the judge. Though he is unjust, Though he does not fear man or God, he can still bring justice. He can still do good. But how much more, church, will our God give? God who is the perfect judge. God who does care about you and what you think. How much more, when we feel like the widow, vulnerable, alone, as if there is no one beside us, We have God as our source of help. And ask yourself when you come to pray, how much more? How much more will God give to us, his children? Now, this is all well and good, but but what if you have been praying and praying and praying and praying, but you haven't seen breakthrough yet? What if you have been praying and praying and you're getting to the point where you think you might give up if you haven't already? Well, Pete Gregg, who is one of the the founders of the 24-7 prayer movement, he speaks of three answers to prayer this side of eternity. And that's yes, no, and wait. Yes is a pretty obvious answer to prayer. But what about no, or wait, or as I like to think of it as no and not yet. How do we know that the work situation that we've been praying into is a not yet? How do we know that the relationship we've been praying into is actually a no? And if it is a no, then what do we do? 
Well, if it's a not yet today, the encouragement is to always pray and don't give up. For we pray to a perfect judge. We pray to a perfect father. We know he hears our prayers. We know his timing is right. We need to just pick up the shovel and fuel the fire of faith. However, if, for, for those of us who are in Christ, those of us who call ourselves Jesus followers, there can be situations where a no in this life is actually a yes in eternity. Let me explain. Recently, my uncle died. Um, he died after a battle with cancer. Uh, and from the day of his diagnosis until the day of his death, uh, as a family, we began to pray for his healing. Uh, we prayed, you know, this kind of started just before Christmas and after a series of other health-related incidences, and we've been praying and praying and praying, and we thought that we had found breakthrough when the doctors told us that the cancer had gone. Uh, but then there was a setback a few weeks later when they said, actually, the cancer had spread and spread so aggressively that it was now terminal. We had his funeral on Friday, The answer to that prayer for healing was no. The answer for God to remove my uncle's cancer was no. But at that time, that wasn't the only prayer that we had been praying. In fact, there was another prayer that had started long before that cancer was even around. And that was the prayer for my uncle's salvation. For so many years, that prayer, we thought was a no. But it was actually a not yet. Because in the final week of his life, my uncle put his trust in Jesus. And so that prayer that we thought was a no, was actually a not yet and became a yes. So therefore, That prayer for no for healing turns into a yes in eternity because now he is with Christ in heaven and he is fully healed and one day I will see him again. But there are circumstances where there is a no this side of eternity and in eternity. And there is no way that we can avoid the hurt, the pain that can come with that. There's no way that we can avoid the despair or the feeling of loss. But we can pray in faith to our perfect father, our perfect judge, who will one day come and wipe every tear from every eye. As the father, he will gather his children and we will be with him in eternity. He can give us comfort. He can give us peace today. God is your source of help. If you're praying for a spouse, we will stand and pray with you. 
If you're praying for that really difficult work situation, we will stand and pray with you. If you are praying for healing, we will stand and pray with you. If you are praying for that family member to know Christ, we will stand and pray with you. Not because God is some kind of cosmic slot machine that you have to pull the right amount of times until you hit the jackpot, but because he is the perfect judge and perfect father, the one who hears and knows our prayers, the one who cares for us, the one who loves us. So what do we do in the meantime? Jesus' question, will he find faith on earth? Will we be people of faith? What do we do? We pray and we pray and we pray and we don't give up. Even in the waiting, even in the uncertainty. Should we stand? And I wonder if the band could come and join me. John Piper said that faith is the furnace of our lives. Its fuel is the grace of God and the divinely appointed shovel for feeding the burner is prayer. What have you stopped praying for? What's that one thing, that situation, or that person that you've stopped praying for? Maybe today, it's time to pick up the shovel. Maybe today, you want to come and and stand with someone and say, will you help me? Draw alongside. We will stand and pray with you. Maybe you're currently praying through something. Maybe you want to come forward and and say, I've got a spare spade. Will you help me? Will you encourage me? Maybe you don't know what to pray. If If you are in Christ, as the spirit pads descend, If you are in Christ, can I encourage you? Maybe you want to start by saying thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you stepped down from heaven. You walked this earth and you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't just die, but you rose again. You took me from death to life. Thank you, Jesus, that you are good that you are faithful, you are my perfect judge, you are my perfect father, that I am your child and that one day you will come and call me home. Maybe that's what you want to pray today. And maybe for those of us who don't know Christ yet, I want to encourage you. You might want to pray, God, are you there? You might want to say, God, if you are real, Speak to me. You might want to say, I'm here. And if you do, that will be one of the coolest things you'll ever do. So as we begin to worship, if, if you fit into any one of those categories, I want to encourage you, please come forward. If the hosting team want to come, We're going to have a few people ready to pray with you.
People with spare shovels. So if that's you, please, I'll encourage you to come forward. If you've stopped praying, come and stand with someone. If you're praying through something, come and stand with someone. If you don't know what to pray, come and stand with someone. I know it can be awkward getting in and out of the pews, but we've got time. We don't want to rush this, so please just just squeeze past an elbow in love will be enough. But as we sing, as we worship our perfect Father, I just encourage you, come and pray. Be persistent in prayer, church. Our God is good. He cares about you. He loves you. Amen. Amen.